Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jesse HS, the Heart Guide Media Podcast, the last episode of 2017. Uh, we started this, or I should say I started this, in uh, the first weekend in September. And now we are, when are we? <laughs> last week in December, the last week of the year, last weekend of the year, last day of the year. So it's really exciting to uh, to you know reach the end of the year. Uh, this year was a lot of fun. There was a lot of cool shit that I did this year, honestly, and uh, probably the the coolest thing I did, the uh, the most fun thing uh, I've done this year is actually starting this uh, this podcast uh, here that you're listening to right now. Um, it's uh, it's been uh. It's been a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I, we haven't fucking blown the doors off the podcasting world or anything. Uh, at least, uh, we haven't yet. Uh, I have a feeling we're on the cusp of, uh, something really fun. Uh, and that's something that's really, that's gonna be real fun is 2018. I think there's gonna be a lot more content in 2018 that I'm gonna be pumping out. I think the frequency of the content, um... Is going to be much higher than it's been uh, than it's been thus far. Uh, granted, I've kind of been I've kept down it pretty well. Uh, I mean, it's slowed down since like a Halloween until now. It's slowed down uh, considerably, but uh, I think it's going to pick up. Uh, I'd like to it, it, be consistent. You know, it, it's really hard around the holidays. You got you got shopping to do. You got. Uh, obligations uh whether it be family uh friends uh work non-work uh stupid random bullshit that you have to just do throughout the fucking holidays um but i think we're gonna we're gonna be consistent we're gonna drop uh an episode a week every weekend um and we're gonna have uh, maybe uh, an additional episode, a bonus show, uh, what have you. If there's a, a topic that comes into mind that I have to cover, you know, if uh, you know, if I go and see the the new Insidious movie this coming week and it fucking blows me away, you know, we'll have our episode, our regular episode, and then uh, I might have to do an episode on that, and then that might spawn into talking all about James Wan, maybe. I don't know. But you know, time will tell. Um, but this has been such a such an interesting venture. Um, something you know, I did on a, a much smaller scale, um, probably about four years ago or so, and um, it was much. Uh, it was on a much like smaller scale. It was before I kind of really got into podcasting. Because um, I wasn't even listening to a lot of podcasts four years ago. I just started listening to podcasts. And it mainly started with, like, wrestling podcasts and stuff. Um, and uh, and it's just spawned because you can find anything. Like, there's a podcast on everything. So that's why, I mean, that's what this is too, kind of. You know, we talk about music. We talk about movies. We talk about action films and mainly horror films and, and you know, genre-type stuff. Um, because, I mean, it's all relative in a sense, um, you know, and that's not to say that anything's off limits. Nothing is really off limits, you know. Musically, I'm a fan of everything. I can sit down, I can listen to 
stuff that I grew up on was raised on. I could do a whole episode on the Doobie Brothers, on Blue Oyster Cult, on Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, but then I could also do an episode on Cannibal Corpse or an 18 Visions episode, which was our last episode. Um, you know, or I can go, I could talk The Smiths, I can talk New Order, I could talk Tears for Fears, I could talk fucking, I could talk fucking Wang Chung, uh, Eddie Money, I love Eddie Money, uh, but, y- you know, it's a, it's a very eclectic podcast, and, I mean, because it's kind of a representation of myself, I'm a pretty eclectic person, I like a lot of different things. You know, I'm into I'm into so much different shit, and it keeps me so busy between like going to you know see live music, uh, to you know, going to horror conventions. Uh, I'm a pretty I'm a relatively avid sports fan as well. Uh, I guess we're gonna break this down. I'm a, this is a getting to know you fucking episode, I guess, for the people who don't know me. And I want to say before I dive into just you know blowing uh, blowing my talking about myself i guess blowing myself um i want to thank everybody who's checked this out i always see like a random new city um that checks us out like and it's just it blows my mind especially like seeing people from other countries somehow find this podcast and i'm not even sure if it's from like i'm not even sure if it's from just looking like just finding something on a hashtag on one of our social media sites or, or what whatever it is I can't tell you how appreciative I am that you even give us give this podcast any kind of uh, chance whatsoever. You know, we are in we have so many different uh, things to talk about on here. So I'm glad that you know we've reached like you know, recently. Like we have downloads from like San Jose, California, London, England. Uh, you know, Texas, uh, one down in Oneana this week. Yeah, interesting. I used to live down in Oneana. I lived down in Oneana for like, uh, on and off for like three years. Not by choice though. Well, kind of by choice, but kind of not. Um, Texas. Yeah, we got some Texas. We got some Whitby, Canada. Interesting. Scranton, Darien, New York. Obviously dominated by uh, the new, new United States and New York. Um, but like I said, this is just so... It's so much fun to to know that there's people, you know, in other countries, in other cities in the United States that are listening to this. You know, people in the Russian, Russian Federation listening to this. It's really like shout out to anybody over in the Russia federation listening to this the uk poland portugal canada germany australia spain brazil the philippines france the netherlands italy mexico iraq chile india belgium croatia ireland romania malaysia and serbia there's downloads in all those countries of this podcast and i can't tell you how grateful and thankful i am thank you and uh please reach out uh contact us on the hard guy media podcast instagram page which is at heart guide media or the twitter page which is at heart guide media uh reach out i'd love to like speak with anybody like and just uh just thank you um and like i said uh it's we talk about a lot of different things and we're always expanding and you know there's going to be like some wrestling episodes coming up because i'm a big wrestling fan as is eric tyler as is sean henderson 
um, who have appeared on this podcast, and uh, you know, wouldn't this podcast wouldn't exist without um, without the people that I've had on it as well that are mainly all friends, um, new and old, you know. Uh, someone that was really nice that I had seen, uh, going to, like, horror conventions a bunch. Because he owns a company called Inked Up Merchandise. And he had his own, um, he had his own, uh, booth, uh, his own table, his own setup, his own, you know, selling point, um, of making, like, embroidered hats and embroidered sweatshirts and screen printing and, and patches and, and all this stuff. And I had always thought it, his shit was sick. I had friends that had bought hats from him. I bought a, a Canon hat from him uh, uh, over the summer and stuff. And uh, I bumped into him at the New Jersey Horror Con back in September. And uh, I just got talking with him. And I said, hey, man, do you want to wanna, wanna talk with me for a minute about... Uh, about you know, hardcore, because he's an older hardcore dude, uh, he was in, uh, the band Incendiary, uh, and, uh, he's friends with, uh, Rick from, uh, famously of This Is Hell and now Extinction AD, um, and, uh, it was cool to just, like, meet someone, I, I'd seen him before, we had never formally met, but the fact that, you know, uh, I was able to kind of talk and connect and, and just bullshit with him. That was one of the most fun experiences of this podcast, especially because we had only been out for less than a month at that point, and it was just so much fun uh, talking with him and uh, m- making a new friend. And And if you could uh, go over to Inked Up Merch on Instagram, and I think it's Inked Up Merchandise on um, Twitter, and give him a follow and uh, patronize his uh his store, his online store, because he has amazing, amazing embroidered uh, products as well as screen printed products. And I think he actually does uh, designs and uh, he do, he'll do screen printing for your band or your company or what have you. Um, and uh, shout out to Dan from Inked Up. Uh, what a fucking awesome dude. And uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's awesome to call him a friend now. So I can't wait to touch base with him uh hopefully you know uh coming up uh the next monster mania which is in march and like i said heart this this podcast is recorded out of syracuse new york so we're about four hours or so from uh cherry hill new jersey which they have the monster mania convention uh three times twice a year uh once in march and once in august and then they have another one down in hunt valley maryland um, but yeah, I'll be at that one, uh, too. So maybe we'll connect again with Dan and, uh, maybe someone new who knows. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this is uh, a big shout out to all my friends who've appeared on this and former bandmates. Um, you know, Anthony Saturno, uh, a good friend and a former bandmate spent a lot of time with Anthony over the course of, uh, the five years our band was together. Um, you know, toured, played shows, slept on floors, drove in the middle of the fucking night in the middle of America, uh, with Ant, and, uh, his episode was a lot of fucking fun, and it was cool to kind of reminisce on our old times and talk about what he's doing musically now, um, and then, uh, the Ramones podcast, wow, um, that was, uh, that was probably my, that might be my favorite episode thus far. Uh, that one's up there, uh, cause my good old friend Lou Smith, um, was on it with me and he's the biggest Ramones fan besides myself that I know. So that was such a, such a, an awesome time to talk with him about the Ramones. 
Um, and we still have to do our second part of the Ramones episode because uh, we covered the first part of their career um, from seven, like '74, from their beginnings until um, until uh, Pleasant Dream, not Pleasant Dreams, uh, Subterranean Jungle. You know, right before the Too Tough to Die era, where they kind of had the shift. So Lou and I will be doing that uh, like '84 to the end of the Ramones um podcast soon and that one's gonna be a lot of fun because i know we're huge fans of the 80s ramones um and there's so much to talk about and i could just uh, there's no one on this planet i could talk to longer uh about music with than lou lou is so like uh well-spoken insightful smart he's a smart music mind um and you know i i ended up finding out just this year and we had always talked about movies and stuff I've known Lou for, geez, 15 years almost, probably about that. And uh, I, you know, just this year, just talking with him and him launching his own podcast, um, the Capital City Smiths podcast, and they did the uh, the podcast October built, um, where they did like a different horror movie, uh, did 27, I think. And uh, they're continuing on with that, um, a little different subject matter, I think, um, but all relative. I, you know, I think they're still involved with the movie reviews and, and run-throughs and stuff like that. But what an amazing time I had uh, doing a Pet Cemetery episode with him, uh, just like Endless Laughs, and then do, doing the Creep Show episode. Uh, this is uh, Capital City Smith's uh, podcast he does with his uh, fiance Hannah. Uh, who is awesome too and hilarious. Um, and those two have such an amazing rapport. And it's so it's so much fun to uh, to talk movies with those guys. Um, I had so much so much fun talking talking with them uh, and doing the podcast uh, for Creep Show and Pet Cemetery and American Psycho. Um, those and it hit me on three times because uh, <laughs> uh, they they know how much I can talk. Uh, but it was so much fucking fun, and I, I can't wait for him to continue on with uh, with from them to continue on with their podcast because it's so much uh, so much fun. Um, and of course, I can't uh, I can't go on without talking about um, the core the core people that appear on this podcast. You know, um, you talk uh, Eric Scott Tyler Et uh, John Engel. Uh, Sean Henderson, uh, my friend Chris Clausen, and uh, ET's uh, now friggin' I don't, what do you even what do you call BT now? Never hear from the guy. He friggin' goes rogue. Hopefully, he comes back at some point. Kid, come on, BT. I'm calling you out. Come on the podcast. Fucking you, goddamn ghost, you ghost motherfucker. Uh, I love you, BT, but. You fuck. <laughs> I get your Christmas presents here, so you better get the fuck over here. Fucking never hang out with your friends, you motherfucker. Um, but anyway, Ugh. but yeah, there's been uh, it's been a lot of my friends on here, and without my friends, this podcast wouldn't be possible. I'd have no one to talk to. You know, I've talked to John numerous occasions about different things, and you know, John had talked so so much on uh, a tribute episode to Wes, tribute episode to to Toby Hooper, and then Eric. I, I mean, I'd have a no go. I'd have no go to person about talking about music with if I didn't have Eric. So thank God, uh, thank God, I have someone to talk uh, music with <laughs> because uh, music's a, such a huge uh, part of my life. 
if I had no one, no go to to be like, hey, I want to talk about this. Hey, I want to talk about that. Uh, and having someone that's into is just as many eclectic shit as uh, Eric is, um, it's uh, it's perfect. So, uh, but yeah, so this episode, we're at the end of 2017. Want to talk about? Uh, Want to talk about uh, some of the movies and records of the year? And um, so, I guess I'll I'll touch upon the movies. I don't really have a huge movie list. Um, I did make one. I am gonna run through it right now with you, because uh, it was really it was really hard to. It was really hard to, because I felt like t- this year was a good year for movies, but then it was really hard to think of ten that I absolutely loved. Um, I mean, there were some, and there were some. There's some that I still haven't seen. I didn't see Dunkirk. I didn't see the new Blade Runner, which I heard both were phenomenal. Um, so they're just not being put on this. Um, so, so my, uh, let's see. We'll go through my. Uh, I don't even know if I have 10. Do I have 10? Fuck. I don't. I don't think so. Do I have 8? I have 8. We're going to do a top. No, I have 7. I have 7. I'll do 7. Fuck it. Top 7. Uh, number 7. Coming at number 7. Pirates of uh, the Caribbean. The uh, the sequel. Uh what is it the fourth installment is it one two three fourth installment or no it's the fifth jesus christ um that one was a lot of fun uh the effects in it i don't know what it is about those movies that have just always kept my uh kept my interest um they're just so much uh so much fun and you know this one was no different parts of the caribbean dead men tell uh no tales it was uh it was a lot of fun. I thought the effects in it were fucking awesome, and it's just so much fun. Those movies are so whimsical and uh, just entertaining. They're easy to watch, and I had a lot of fun seeing that one in theaters. And that was actually the first one I'd saw in theaters. I, I just waited for the for the movies for the you know videos the DVDs <laughs> videos uh, for the DVDs to drop before I saw any of the other ones. Um, but I loved loved them every time I saw them. But, and that one's no different. And I thought that one got shit on. I know it didn't do well in the box office or as well as it should. They wanted it to or whatever. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And number six. Do I have a number six? Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant, uh, again, you know, another sequel in the Alien franchise. I thought it was a lot of fun. Danny McBride played it pretty straight, even though it's really hard not to laugh at that dude because he's amazing. Um but yeah, it was a it was a great story. Kind of plays a little bit with the mythology of it all. Um, a good continuation, um, and Ridley Scott did a great job. I thought it was uh, entertaining. I mean, it didn't fucking it didn't you know I I'm not putting it you know anywhere near the first three uh, or the first four for that matter. Alien Resurrection Love. Um. But there's definitely there's going to be an Alien podcast episode here soon because I know Lou is a huge fan of the Alien franchise and BT is, but BT is uh, he is now a fucking he is a fucking ghost in the ocean like fucking like a pirate in the Caribbean now motherfucker. Um, but yeah, number five, number five, we have uh, a documentary actually. It's called uh, Jim and Andy: The Great Beyond. Um. 
It's a documentary on Jim Carrey and his role as Andy Kaufman in the movie, 1999 movie, Man on the Moon, which also stars Danny DeVito, Courtney Love, uh, Paul Giamatti, um, a really Jerry Lawler, of course, because uh, there was, a you know, the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler uh, feud, quote unquote. Um, man, what a fucking amazing documentary. And that's about uh, Jim Carrey taking fully, you know, whatever you want to call it, methodizing, method acting, uh, the Andy Kaufman role and becoming Andy Kaufman and never not playing Candy, o- Candy Hoffman, uh, Andy Kaufman, even when the cameras were off. Um, and you know, you see family members of Andy Kaufman's coming on there and crying and hugging Jim Carrey because he is just, he's just tapped into Andy Kaufman so much. And it's, uh, it's a powerful movie and, uh, you know, Jim Carrey actually, it's so inspiring uh, watching that because when he talks about acting and then he says, you know, you could, you could fail doing something you don't love. So you might as well fail doing what you love. And I just love that. And that, you know, things like that and hearing people that you could tell the guy is still very humble and just like a true human being to hear someone like that, say something like that. It makes me want to continue on with this podcast. It, it, it makes me want to uh, pursue my musical ventures uh, more so than I have in the last three years. You know, I've not played a live show in, uh, wow, coming up on, uh, we're over three years and it's, you know, come June, it's going to be four years since i played a live show and that's uh that's fucking crazy to think because that band suspended in dusk uh my last uh band uh doesn't seem that long ago but i that's when we broke up and uh yet we haven't played together since then and and, you know if it's any more of a you need to get off your ass and play music and and enjoy the time you have here you know our drummer uh jimmy passed away this year and that was really, uh, it was really rough to deal with. And not even that I was super close with Jim, uh, but the fact that we hadn't seen each other, even even the fact that we haven't hadn't seen each other in like uh, months. I think I saw him. I saw him like uh, fall of 2016 was the last time, and he passed away in at the end of March in the of this year. And um, you know, to think now. You know, suspending dusk, the four of us. I mean, we always had a rotating fifth uh, for a second guitarist, but the four of us were the core: me, Anthony, Jimmy, and Winton. Um, so to think that only you know, there's only three of us left now. It's kind of a kind of a harsh realization. You know, you got to enjoy the time you have here, and you got to do what you want. Do what you love because you could fail doing what you hate. So you might as well fail doing what you love. And I love that quote. And it's uh, it's an amazing documentary about Jim Carrey and his, you know, him engulfing the role of Andy Kaufman. So it's a, it's really, it's a, it's an amazing watch. It, it really is. It's, it's phenomenal, honestly. Um, but yeah. So coming in at number four, Baby Driver. Uh, Edgar Wright film uh fucking awesome uh it was a really really fun film uh, the music was sick they had fucking damned on the soundtrack it was rad it was a cool different cool different style of movie 
uh, a lot of fun. Had a throwback feel to it, honestly. It didn't feel like a modern movie in some senses, but a lot of fun. Fucking fast cars, kicking tunes, like, just a rad fucking movie. A lot of fun in theaters. Uh, great cast. Uh, new faces, old faces. Uh, a lot of fucking fun. Just a rad fucking movie. A lot of fun to see in theaters. Uh, number three. Going back, uh, and this might be an oddball choice for some people to hear me say this, but uh, the Power Rangers movie. Fucking awesome. Fucking amazing. Uh, you know, Power Rangers were something, you know, they were out in the early 90s and uh, was something I was huge on being, you know, seven, six years old when it came out in the early 90s and it was just fucking really rad. It was so fucking, it was, the Power Rangers were everything when you were six, seven years old, like you had to have all the figures you had to have, uh, you had to have fucking, you know, the clothes, the pants, the shoes, the fucking hats, the fucking, the gloves, fucking, you know, I remember, you know, just having like a fucking Power Rangers knit sweater. Cause they sold fucking like knit sweaters at fucking wherever it was, Hills or Ames or, or what have you, wherever the fuck my mom was buying my fucking clothes then. Um, but that was such a phenomena in the early 90s, and to, to say in 2017, like I said it because I went and saw it with uh, Chris Clausen uh, and Sean Henderson when I went with those guys to see it, uh, it's like, wow, man, it's like, we went to, like, the Shopping Town Mall, which is like a fucking dead dirt mall now, it has nothing in it but, like, fucking ballet classes and fucking a karate class and, like, a fucking kiosk center and a candy store and, like, a fucking Rite Aid or something, um, and, like, Verizon. Uh, but, like, we went to a mall that was popping in the early 90s, not popping now, to see a Power Rangers movie in theater, and it was fucking packed. It was a packed, the Shopping Town Mall, which is a dead mall now, pretty much, um, was packed with kids and parents of them bringing them to see a Power Rangers movie. It felt like I was a kid again. And watching the movie, you know, they used different tones they touch on some real some real shit that people are dealing with in high school and stuff now with the power ranger storyline um but to uh it's it was really awesome to go see that and it was so much fun and i know that movie didn't make money but i thought it was fucking awesome it was a lot of fun just uh just cool it was almost like even if the movie was going to be bad which i thought it was awesome even if it was going to be bad it was nostalgic enough to see a Power Rangers movie in theaters that I still would have probably enjoyed it. But yeah, my last two, a movie I just watched like a month or a month and a half ago or so, The Babysitter. A fucking amazing movie. So funny, so bloody, so gory, so stupid, so fun, like airheaded, like, but smart at the same time and just like a blast of a movie and such a throwback type, you know, goofy teen slasher comedy he fucking it was so so fun and you know i i'm not gonna say much more about it other than it's just fucking it was just a rad movie it was so much fun to watch it was a fun easy watch um and it's something i could throw on like anytime and just if i'm into the mood to laugh and have a good time fucking great movie um, and then my number one, and I'm kind of blowing through this a little bit just because, uh, I'm not trying to take up too much of your time. Actually, yes, I am. So fuck that. Um, but there's a lot to talk about with music, the music list. So I'm kind of brushing through the, um, 
brushing through the uh, the movie list. So my number one is Stephen King's It. Um, I thought It was fucking awesome. You know, being a huge fan of the original, um, truly being a fan of the original, not just saying like, oh, yeah, I, I love that one when I was a kid. <laughs> no, I actually did love it. Um, and grew up loving it and revered, you know, Tim Curry as Pennywise. I thought it was awesome. Um, but rewatching it, you, you know, obviously there's, there's some flaws in, in the 1990, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, version of it. Uh, but a fucking amazing cast, you know, John Ritter, Richard Mauser, uh, fucking just old John Boy Walton. Um, but so much fun, so much fun that that movie was a, blast watching and laughing about as a kid mainly tim curry's portrayal of pennywise but this one this 2017 it really really was so well done and i knew if they were going to touch something like this because it is it is kind of a revered movie or at least tim curry's portrayal of it uh is revered um i thought this one was amazing it was a cool new different spin a creepier scarier much more menacing spin on pennywise uh bill skarsgård's um portrayal of him and the movie's look was just very dreary um and just it looks so fucking phenomenal and those kid actors were so fucking good and obviously uh, i think there's a i think there's a, a little bit of a uh resurgence of the the kid uh, the kid horror uh suspense thriller type thing you know obviously you have wolf uh what's his name wolf finn 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 wolford is that his name kid from stranger things obviously having the ki- the goonies influence on like uh on uh like stranger things you know kids uh being the focal point I mean, and then you see that, obviously, with It, the first part of It and the original one, and then, the, you know, the book, obviously, is the focus on the, the kids. So the fact that uh, I think those two, they had, especially they had, um, what the fuck's the kid's name? Is it Finn Wolford? Why am I, why do I want to keep saying uh, Wolfhard? Oh, it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there was su- there's such a resurgence with like uh, focal points of like these uh, you know kind of horror esque films and TV shows. I think it's 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 the beginning of it. Um, but what the the kids in in the It movie were fucking great. I thought the script was was so awesome, and it was just it, I just felt Stephen King through it, like I do in most of his work. Um, you know, you think of thing other adaptations like um, Silver Bullet, uh, Stand by Me. You know, The Green Mile, um, you know, Cujo, Salem's Lot. There's so many of those films that just like they do. They do a pretty awesome job at bringing King's words to life. You know, putting uh, putting moving pictures to the to the words that you read for years and you. You wait to see them come to life, and it was the 2017. It was it was awesome. It was really fucking great, and and obviously they they you got to account for inflation and things like that. But right now it holds the record for the highest grossing horror film of all time. It's beat The Exorcist and things like that. 
Um, by that same token, though, the Exorcist was re-released, I think, once or twice. Uh, you know, and it's had, you know, two different, three different theatrical releases or, you know, the re-releases and stuff. Uh, but, you know, you got to account for inflation. But no matter what, I mean, obviously, it's the highest grossing horror film of all time now. Um, so that says something, and that's awesome. And, and any horror movie doing well is good. You know, even that Rings movie that came out, they fucking canned the Friday the 13th, um, the new Friday the 13th, because Rings flopped in theaters. So uh, horror is always going to be the redheaded stepchild. They're the, they're, the, they're, the, uh, they're the stepchild that they bring in the back room and they fucking they slap the shit out of when the fucking... The mother's not around. Um, you know, praised. Uh, pr they praise them when they do good, and then they sh they fucking tear down the genre when anything comes out that isn't a fucking critic darling. But so any any horror movie doing well in the theaters is good for the horror genre because it's gonna push more of those movies to get made, uh, no matter what. So that's my number one movie of the year. Um, so. Yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about music now. So my top list for music and uh, and it was again it was a it was an interesting year for records. Um, and I start to look at like the records that came out this year and think about how like crazy it is to look and see. And I can't remember if the Zayo record came out. Um, came out at the beginning of this year or the end I think it came out at the end of last year actually but I remember being on Lamgo and seeing like the most recent reviews were for 18 visions converge uh like 18 visions converge uh Zayo and like Glassjaw and I was like uh what year is this is this 2017 because how'd some of the best records that come out or fucking from bands that have fucking either haven't put a record out in a fucking a coon's age or are fucking have been around for forever in a day. I thought that that was really fucking funny. But without further ado, uh, here are my top 10 for music. It's uh, so my number 10. Number 10 is Ghosts, a record that just came out a few weeks ago. Uh, it's a live album. Ceremony and Devotion. I went and saw this tour as the Pope Star tour that happened, uh, started in September. The first day, actually, was in uh, Rochester at the Main Street Armory, and they continued on that for like a year and a half. Um, but this was recorded at a couple different live shows, and it was a, it was a fucking awesome, awesome show. It was one of the best live shows I've been to in a long time, and it happened, you know, September 2016. Uh, but the tour went on for a while. They opened for Maiden uh, this past year and then did, uh, I think, two legs, two U.S. legs of this Pope Star tour. Uh, but what a fucking awesome band. I'm so glad that, you know, they're obviously recording. They retired Papa 3. Um, it's, uh, it's really fucking, it was really an amazing live show. And they have a guitar solo song, Mummy Dust. They have a guitar solo live. How fucking awesome can you get? Um, but they really pulled no punches. Papa is fucking hilarious. Whenever whatever city he's in, Rochester is famous for garbage plates. So he was talking about garbage plates, 
Uh, he's talking about female orgasms and monstrance, monstrance clock, like, uh, and, uh, but, but yeah, it's fucking amazing. Um, and the live tracks, it sounds like they might have added, added, edited them a little in studio, but all the, the whole live album sounds fucking awesome. And the standout tracks for me are, um, are Cersei, which was a single that they had, uh, off the last album. Uh, but that and uh, Mummy Dust, obviously, I told you about that guitar solo. Uh, Monstrum's Clock is fucking amazing. It's an amazing closer for them. And uh, Body and Blood just was amazing. They sent out, like, uh, you know, scantily clad nuns to give out the Body and Blood of Christ. Fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, that's my number 10. Uh, I can't wait for Ghost's new album. I'm a huge fucking Ghost fan. Uh, ginormous Ghost fan, actually. Um,. But yeah, my number nine, uh, moving right along. My number nine is the new Morrissey record, uh, Low in High School. Uh, now, this record took some growing for me. I wasn't sold on it immediately. Um, Maz's last few records, his uh, this this one, Low in High School, and um, his last one, uh you know, world peace is none of your business. They're both fucking awesome albums, but he's gotten more worldly in his sound, which is fine because he's always kind of had that element. But he's uh, uh, if he would have ended with years of refusal in his career, I thought I think that would be an amazing swan song. But he hasn't, which is both uh, bitter and sweet because I love hearing new Morrissey music. But I did think uh, initially that Years of Refusal was going to be his last record. So the fact that it's not, it's kind of a bummer. But he's still putting out great music. And he's still touring and more fucking power to him. The guy is my fav- one of my fa- probably my favorite lyricist of all time. So there's that. Uh, and my favorite track? Um, I probably, man, spent the day in bed, the single. Like it was just fucking, it was just so fucking rad. And uh, When You Open Your Legs is a fucking another amazing track. Um, really great record. Uh, still got to pick that one up on vinyl. Uh, I got the CD. I need to get the vinyl. Uh, but yeah, Morrissey is just uh, it's someone that's always stuck with me. Whenever his albums come out, they're always in my you know personal top ten. It's kind of self. It's kind of sanctimonious to fucking be like, this is my top ten. But... Whatever, I've always kind of done it in my own eyes. Even when I didn't have a podcast or, you know, didn't really post it on social media, I always kind of, like, thought about what my top ten albums of the year are. Uh, But now I'm just sharing it with anybody who wants to listen and download this podcast. So, number eight. Number eight. Let's see, did I fuck my list up? I think I did. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... That I have not an eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, I guess I didn't have a fucking. Wow, there's no eight here. Okay. Uh, we're gonna. Okay, yes, I do have an eight. Sorry. <laughs> My eight is uh, CKY. Uh, their new record. I was, I was able to, to watch that band. Uh, every day. The album's The Phoenix. Um, and it's their first one without Darren Miller, their lead singer, guitarist. Um, and I was really hesitant to like the album, honestly. Um, I've always been a huge CKY fan. 
um, I was able to... The first time I saw CKY was actually at Hellfest 2003. Um, my father had actually gotten uh, brought me there. You know, 15th time, obviously didn't drive. Uh, and he was always uh, rad enough to watch, uh, watch shows with me sometimes, and especially being an outdoor uh, event at the... Um, at the uh, at the state fairgrounds, um, and him knowing CKY from like you know Jackass and things like that, and hearing him on there, uh, he actually uh, got me uh, you know backstage pass, backstage access, uh, which I still have the little trust kill fucking um, whatever you want to call it stick badge, uh, backstage pass or whatever. So I got to watch CKY side stage. Um, then and it was fucking awesome and fast forward you know 14 years later 15 years later i get to watch cky side stage on the vance warp tour and watch their set every fucking day uh what a fucking awesome experience you know i've uh you know every time i've seen cky i've stood, stood side stage how fucking awesome is that um one of my favorite bands they've always put out fucking amazing records um but this is the first one, the Phoenix, without uh, Darren. So I was really skeptical. Uh, eight tracks, old school, full length record, and I listened to it. I think like uh, I think I listened to it like once or twice, and I was like, "There's some really fucking sick tracks on there," but I still don't know how I feel about it. And I was listening to it, you know, a few weeks leading up to to Warp Tour, and then I end up. Uh, end up, you know, watching them every day on Warped Tour, and it was fucking awesome, and they, they killed it. They did fucking amazing. Um, and uh, this one's got really fucking awesome, uh, awesome fucking songs, man. Uh, my favorite tracks are uh, Replaceable, which uh, may or may not be about Darren Miller, um, and uh, Head for a Breakdown are fucking awesome. Uh, Lies from You, another great fucking song. But every song, there was eight songs on it. I love those like small, the shorter records, records like thirty-one minutes and change, I think, and uh, eight tracks. I love those old school like you know eight nine tracks. I love nine track records. How fucking sick is that? I love those. And of course, ten ten is always like a nice round number. Uh, but what a fucking and the band. Like I said, the band still got it live. Uh, one of my favorite performances of the year too, as far as shows. Uh, being able to watch that band every day was really a fucking treat. Sorry, my fucking legs are stiff as fuck. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, <laughs> number seven. Uh, Dave House. Uh, singer for The Loved Ones. Now has a solo career. And he's like folk, country. Really hard to pinpoint him because there's still that like punk rock feel to everything that he does as well um and you know the loved ones had played their which i think was their last show uh at the beginning of the year in like february or something like that in philly um but so i never really checked out his solo stuff dave house's solo stuff i was just kind of like uh, yeah, I'll check it out. And I think I listened to some of it, and I was just, like, not feeling it at the time. And didn't, like, it didn't, like, stick with me right away. But his new record, Bury Me in Philly, is my number seven. And this is a record I just discovered not even that long ago. Um, I think I discovered it maybe two months ago. And it's just fucking, 
fucking a kick-ass fucking like old school uh like rock record honestly and and there's a, it's just it's like a mixture of like springsteen and like a punk rock neil young and it's just so much fun it it really is like a fucking blast of a record to listen to and it's so different than like other shit that you get stuck with having to absorb these days so to get someone you you get some acoustic stuff in there and then you just get some straight up like rock songs with some uh you know that singer songwriter fucking feel to them um big fans uh big fan of the my mistake uh just like and he still has that punk rock feel to all the songs too my mistake the fucking mermaid which i think he's like is he going by i think he's call, calling himself like Dave House and the Mermaid or something like that, his band. I don't know. But he has a song called The Fucking Mermaid, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, Dirty Fucker is also an amazing track. And any track where you can have a song called Dirty Fucker. And uh, it's always some Dirty Fucker. It's always some corner-cutting son of a bitch. Uh, Amazing. Simple, amazing. Fucking love it. And then uh, the closing track, Bury Me in Philly, is a fucking rad-ass song. And... He's obviously got a lot of love for his hometown of Philadelphia, and uh, I love Philly too. I've spent some time there, shows and what have you. And uh, now Eric lives in Royersford, which is I think about a half hour or forty minutes away from Philly. Uh, so there's been uh, a few Philly trips this year, a few shows I've seen in Philly, um, and obviously Camden, uh, New Jersey. The Warp Tour stop there, so there's a lot of Philly people there, and uh, uh, saw some friends from the Philly area. Um, so Philly's kind of, uh, it's gotten a few stops from me in 2017, so fuck yeah. Um, and so that was number seven, so number six. Number six is the new Mastodon record. Mother fuck. You know, Mastodon fell off my radar with Leviathan, honestly. Um... Well, they were. That was the last time they were on my radar, as far as like, really. And uh, the record, the new record, Emperor of Sand, is fucking awesome. My number six. Um, and not that I wasn't into the records that came out after the, wasn't into the records that came out after Leviathan. They just weren't my cup of tea at the moment. I've, you know, since you know, went back and listened to those records and fucking love those records. Love, love, love those records. You know, Once More Around the Sun, uh, Crack the Sky, which I did listen to when Crack the Sky came, Crack the Sky came out. Um, the Hunter, Blood Mountain. I listened to Blood Mountain, too, when it came out, but nothing really stuck with me. Um, I thought the fucking Hunter was, uh, you know, the best release between Leviathan and now. Um, but Emperor Sand is fucking amazing. It's so good. And uh, I guess it was written, uh, you know, Bill Hines, uh, their guitar player, had suffered the loss of, to, of his mother from cancer. And I, I believe uh, Brett, their um, their bass player, vocalist. And I love that all those guys but Bill do vocals in the band. It's fucking amazing because Bron Dollar's vocals fucking uh, shred and shine on this record. As does, or not, not Brett, um, not Brett. Uh, Brett isn't their bass player. Uh, fucking... What's the dude's name? Troy. Troy is their bass player. Sorry. Uh, Brett Hines uh, is the you know one of the singers and, and guitarists, lead guitarist. 
Um, and he's fucking amazing. His vocals have that Ozzy-esque feel to him. Um, but tr- yes, Troy's, uh, Troy's wife was also, uh, diagnosed with cancer as well. So cancer is kind of an underlying theme of the record, uh, you know, cause they were so touched so closely, both, uh, both, uh, both members, Troy and, um, Bill, uh, but yeah, it's uh, did I fuck names up? I think I fucked names up, so I apologize. But uh, the song "Show Yourself" Bron does vocals on. Bron's their drummer. Um, it's fucking amazing. It's my favorite. I think it's my favorite Mastodon song currently. I got over their whole career. Uh, another amazing track is the the closing track "Jaguar God." Uh, amazing fucking solo. Uh, Andromeda, another fucking uh, great great song precious stone steam breather uh you know uh sultan's curse which is the opening track um a lot of great fucking songs on this record and a lot of fun to listen to and it's great to fucking have a new uh have a new fucking mastodon record uh that i fucking love i I love it and those guys are amazing musicians and wrote a classic fucking record with emperor sand for sure so that brings us to the halfway point uh Number five, Converge, their record forever. Fuck. Uh, and when their last record came out, uh, I Am King, I was like, that's when I was like, I'm not going to front and be like, yeah, fucking been a fan of Code Orange for fucking forever. Uh, I heard about Code Orange right before. Well, I heard about them a while before that, but I didn't really get interested in Code Orange until they were it was a little bit before I Am King came out. And I was like, and that was when they were still called Code Orange Kids. Um, so I was like, I gotta check out, I gotta check out this uh, band. They're playing, they're playing with Twitching Tongues and Buffalo. So I was like, I'm going to see Twitching Tongues. I make sure I catch that their set for sure. Watched it, blown the fuck away. So much fucking energy on stage, just putting motherfuckers to shame. Their energy. Um, and I'm King. They had me 100% sold that I am King. So fast forward three years. And Forever Drops, the beginning of the year. And Motherfuck, what a fucking record. And it's the band's blown up. They're nominated for a fucking Grammy now. They performed live at WWE's NXT event. Um, they're just killing it. Um, Bleeding in the Blur, obviously, is a little more accessible because Reba's got some uh, more melodic singing on that, but there's still a fucking pissed-off, rocking-ass song. And it's uh, I think it's my favorite favorite one on the record and also uh, spy spy is up there and dream too as well but every song in the record is great there's such a it's great that they're uh, like a newer band that respects their roots they're so young and they're from pittsburgh but they're just kicking so much fucking ass right now and and they're signed to roadrunner which i imagine has done nothing but help them so more power to that fucking band i'm so stoked that there's a fucking real fucking real heavy band that's like nominated for a fucking grammy and they're just killing it and more power to that band because they're fucking amazing 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 so number four number four is converge the dusk in us what a fucking the band is like the the band is like is like wine they just fucking they get better with age, man. They are fucking just annihilating year after year after year. 
album after album. Every time they release an album, it's the fucking... They're on the next level. Every time. No one can touch this band. They're fucking untouchable. Every time they put out an album, it fucking annihilates everything. And this one's no different, you know? And I... Not... uh, You know, um... It's... It's hard to maintain a career as long as they have. You know, 91, and, you know, they've had this lineup, I want to say, since... Oh, since No Heroes in 06. Um, actually... Might have even been, um... You Fail Me, I think this lineup's been around since. Uh, but what a fucking amazing record. So fucking good. Under Duress, fucking amazing. I want to fucking kill motherfuckers when I hear Under Duress. Also, the track, the title track, Dusk and Us, fucking, ugh, amazing. And then A Thousand Miles Between Us is just, you know, amazing. Uh, you know, they're nine albums in now. It's fucking nuts. And every, every time, and that's another thing I loved about Converge is every time you listen to them, I love that they have art to go with it. And the art, you know, tells the story as well as the songs. Um, so their art is so integral to that band listening to each album. Um, so I really can't say enough good about this band. Uh, there's a reason there's a you big, you fail me flag hanging in my living room right now. Um, it's because this band has consistently put out amazing material, always innovative, have stuck to their fucking guns. They only change any kind of sound changes they have is for themselves. And they still have that core converged sound. They've never faltered or wavered. Uh, in the face of record companies or the the drops in record sales or anything like that, they're gonna exist despite themselves um, and despite the the fucking uh, the landscape of the music industry. And they have, and uh, the band is just fucking. I, I remember when Axe to Fall came out in two thousand nine, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, how the fuck are these guys just? fucking getting better and going to a next level every record so it's just like when i heard obviously i got into converge uh, like most people did they became huge fans of converge most people not all calm down uh when jane doe came out and there was buzz about jane doe and that fucking logo is i is iconic as is the misfits logo now in the genre like i mean most people i mean obviously misfits logo is a little the crimson ghost you know fiend club skull whatever you want to call it um, is uber recognizable, but fuck, when you see that Jane Doe fucking logo, that face logo, you know, uh, you know, people have to know what it is, and it's so recognizable now, um, but I remember when that record came out, I was like, oh, it's so fucking pissed, it's so fucking heavy, like, you can't really mosh to it, you just kinda gotta lose your mind, then when You Fail Me came out, when I heard that fucking, that drum intro, like, on fucking, uh, Eagles Become Vultures, and that, (laughs) oh my god, I wanted to fucking kill someone, I remember seeing that, they played with Cave-In at the Lost, and I wanted to fucking kill somebody, because it was so fucking good. Um, and You Fail Me was, like, a huge record for me. It was the first one, uh, Converge record, that, you know, got released, and I bought it on release day. And then, you know, No Heroes came out, and No Heroes was, like, even more, like, that way. It was fucking, you know, there was some experimental stuff, um, on there. And then, you know, you wait three years, and they put out fucking Axe to Fall, which has got a million cameos on it, and it's so fucking good, and it's so heavy, and it's so pissed, and... I think that's one of my favorite Converge records still to this day, but, you know, uh, and here we are all these years later, 
and they're fucking still, you know, almost 10 years later, and they're still putting out records, and they're still, you know, every record's gonna make a fucking top 10 of mine, for real, every time, so shout out to them, uh, Under Duress, for sure, favorite track, um, so, and now we are officially in our top three, so our top three, uh, John Carpenter's Anthology, I went and saw the John Carpenter Anthology Tour, fucking phenomenal, we talked about it in the John Carpenter episode, we kind of reviewed his show, and talked a little bit about, about Johnny Carp, but, uh, re-recordings of some of his original themes, fucking amazing, they sound fucking amazing, he took amazing, his amazing tracks, and put a little new stink on them, and they fucking smell phenomenal, they're so fucking good, uh, In the Mouth of Madness has fucking got amazing guitar work on it, it's so much fucking fun, it's a great movie too, um, it's fucking, it's just such a rad track, so fucking great, uh, that's one of my favorite tracks on the record. Um, and I picked it up, hoping I was going to get at the show, thinking I was going to get one of the limited colored vinyls. I didn't. I got black, which I'm fine with. I like black traditional vinyl, too. Uh, again, fucking just fighting over colors like you're four. Uh, but amazing record. And the fucking the title track for Christine is the closing track on it, and it's so fucking good. Oh, man, it's just fucking... I just, I just feel like I'm driving... You know, a car into fucking, you know, I feel like Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 when I hear fucking the Christine fucking, the re-recorded version of uh, the, the Christine main theme. Uh, and, you know, the guy's 69, he's going to be 70 here soon, and he's fucking putting out, or did he turn 70? I think he just turned 70. I'm not sure. The guy's put out amazing music, amazing films. He's written all the most of the music to most of his films. And the guy is just fucking tearing it up at 69. He take one sip of water. Granted, he isn't drinking. They're all fucking... It's all instrumental, but... And the band he's got... Um, just fucking rips. And uh, his kid's in the band. And the band is so sol- solid. And... Uh, man, what a fucking... What an amazing musician John Carpenter is. He's so underrated. Um, and he's going to be 70 in a few weeks, actually, in two weeks. Um, but, yeah, um, Davies, the guitar player. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck he, but he was in. He actually did a small stint in CKY. Daniel Davies, that's right. Um, he also did a small stint in CKY for a little while. Amazing guitar player. He shreds on the record. He shreds live. I fucking love it. Um, he was in that band, uh, Year-Long Disaster. Um, I guess he's also the son of, uh, member of the Kings. Interesting. Um, but yeah, fucking amazing record. Johnny Carp always pulling through. Amazing synth fucking, like, spook record. It's so good. I love hearing all those original themes, obviously. But yeah, that's my number two. So, uh, my number, or my number, my number three, excuse me. My number two... It's a record you've been listening to in the background this whole time. And I think it's one of the best rock and roll records that have come out in a long fucking time. It is, uh, he is legend. Phew. Now, this band is very interesting in the sense that I got into this band in early 2000, or summer 2004. I actually caught them at the furnace. And I think with, like, here in Syracuse with, like, Fear Before the March of Flames, I think. 
I can't remember who was on the show. But I caught him. Maybe it wasn't Syracuse. Maybe it was Rochester. Maybe it was the Penny Arcade. I can't remember. But I saw him in 2004. I picked the record up in early 2005. Uh, I Am Hollywood. And it was a fucking amazing record. And I was sold on the band from that point on. And then they released, in 2006, they released a record called Suck Out the Poison, which is an amazing, dirty, filthy, southern rock, you know, folk, gospel, heavy metal, gypsy rock fucking extravaganza. As is, you know, uh, It Hates You, which came out three years later. They broke up. They got back together. In 2014, they released a fucking amazing album called Happy Heavy Fruit fucking amazing like gypsy rock fucking like psychedelic pissed off heavy metal record uh but more la- more than anything they're just a straight up rock and roll band and it's so nice to get a rock and roll band in, in a time where bands that are considered rock sound like like that fucking Eddie Vedder that fucking like hybrid hybrid fucking like hills have eyes kid version of fucking Eddie Vedder uh Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace, fucking all that terrible fucking rip-off Chris Cornell vocal bullshit. Nothing against Chris Cornell. I think Chris Cornell was an amazing vocalist, but the guys that try to emulate that and, like, try doing their best Creed impression, it just sounds dog shit. Um, so in, in the landscape where that is, like, considered rock, to get a band like he is legend to put out amazing straight-up rock and roll records this dirty and filthy and, like, beautiful and, like, gypsy-like, it's fucking awesome. And this record, every track, just banger. Fucking the artwork's just, like, sick. It reminds me of, like, a fucking, like, a, a horror, like, a weird, like, horror fucking, like, book that my art teacher, my weird art teacher used to, like, read to us around Halloween time. Uh, some of my favorite tracks are Sand, the single is just fucking, like, a ripping track, ripping track, just so fucking good. Um, and then Alley Cat, rad-ass fucking song, and there, there's some, like, uh, it's funny, obviously, we talked about John Carpenter, he has a movie called Mouth of Madness, um, there's a line where they say, you know, in the Mouth of Madness, um, on here, and I thought maybe that was just, like, coincidental or whatever, but he also has, like, a Shining, uh, like, a Shining reference in Skylar Croom, the vocalist and lyricist. He, uh, he also has, like, a, in the song The the Carpet, is it The Carpet? On Heavy Fruit, where he has, uh, a Shining, like, reference, uh, you know, the, the Kubrick, uh, Shining movie. And, uh, so I think, and I, and I know they did do a Suspiria shirt for one of their first shirts, uh, so I think they are, he is a horror fan, so maybe we can get him on the podcast one day, I don't know. I'd love to talk to him about horror movies and this fucking killer record, Few. There's also a song called Fritz the Dog, which is just fucking, ugh, that's amazing. Uh, this band is really great. Um, I haven't seen them live in so long, so I can't wait to catch them live. Um, and they crowdfunded this whole album, so... That's really rad that they're doing that as well. But, of course, my uh, number motherfucking one. My number one, of course, 18 Visions, the record 18. They had not put out a record since July of 2006, which was their last record, a self-titled one on Epic. And... um, you know, I had talked a little bit about 18 Visions on the last episode because I went and saw them for the first time since 2006. 
And uh, I saw them twice. I saw them once in Baltimore and again in Buffalo. They played the Every Time I Die Tid the Season Christmas show, which is sold out. It was amazing. It was so fucking good. Um, but I got to catch the headlining show two nights prior, a Thursday in Baltimore. It was fucking phenomenal. It was so good. They haven't missed a beat. They don't have a bass player. They did not replace Mick. Mick passed away uh, a few years ago from uh, heart failure. Unfortunately, uh, they have tri- you know they have a tribute to him in the song "They Live Again," which James wrote uh, a little a nice little paragraph on Mick on the vinyl version of the record, which is fucking awesome. Um, and uh, even with the live track, whatever they're doing, it doesn't sound like nothing sounds like artificial at all. Um, Josh James joined the band as second guitarist because Ken Floyd, who was the drummer. Then moved the guitar, and Trevor was on. Trevor's on drums. Um, couldn't come back, unfortunately, because he has a full time uh, position as a tour manager for the, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, electrical EDM uh, artist Zed. Uh, which obviously, if you have that kind of gig, you can't just up and leave it. It's probably his main source of income, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very, very cool that this band decided to come back and I'm I'm I can't tell you how grateful I am that they came back because I've uh this band's just meant so much to me for so long so to get there to get the to have an album come out is one thing for it to come out and be as good as it is is fucking it's so phenomenal and I can't express how stoked I was and am that they come out with a record that truly encapsulates like pretty much almost every version of their career, except for maybe the super early brutal, brutal, brutal stuff like on Lifeless, where you know this band, and I, I kind of forgot to touch on a couple points when I was doing the 18 Visions episode, the last episode. I kind of forgot to touch on you know how they predated Deathcore. They brought the you know, the ideals, you know, obviously being like straight edge and some of them at the time being vegetarian, vegan, um, the ideas of ideals and ideas of the hardcore scene and had like death metal influence, but while still having that hardcore fan base, they were doing deathcore before deathcore was a fucking thing. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking amazing. Um, so they predate deathcore. You know what else they predate are like the fucking like scene haircuts, like, I mean, for lack of a better term, these guys were doing, obviously, Javier uh, Van Hughes, the fucking first uh, bass player, and James and Brandon all went to, uh, all went to, uh, like, beautician school, beauty school, and they were cutting hair at shows and giving kids these fucking, like, you know, edgy haircuts before they were a fucking thing. They predated that. Also, like, wearing black, like, wearing all the black on stage, but, you know, when people, and looking, like, you know, like, nice, like, wearing button-up shirts and, like, fucking dickies and creepers, like, black dickies and creepers, like, they were doing this before it was fucking cool, before it was fashionable, they were, when the hardcore kids were all wearing baggy camel shorts and cabal jerseys, and, like, fucking, like, oversized fucking crewneck sweatshirts and shit, they were fucking dressing up and people were fucking throwing shit at them and calling them fags before, like, long before fucking Atreyu or Event Sevenfold were doing it. 
Uh, so, I mean, there's so many bands that have to thank 18 Visions that I feel like 18 Visions doesn't get enough credit. But seeing them reunite and get, like, main stage at the, you know, OzFest versus NotFest type thing. And getting the main stage on the, on the NotFest, the, you know, the NotFest day is fucking awesome. I feel like it's, it's long overdue that this band gets the respect that they widely deserved. Um, and there's just those bands that, like, go, like, help create and form inform all the in, all this influence on modern like music and in this case heavy music that just don't ever get the credit that's due you know i widely think that like the mc5 is often uncredited as one of the first punk bands obviously the ramones are highly credited for that and you can't really deny that because the ramones were such a fucking powerhouse an amazing, an amazing fucking band on, on in so many senses, and obviously my favorite band of all time being the Ramones. But um, I feel like bands like Iggy and the Stooges and the MC5 were largely uncredited for bringing that aggression and that anger to to punk before there was a name for punk, you know. Um, and that a lot of that goes hand in hand with 18 Visions, uh, you know, being often uncredited for this like this style of bringing like uh you know fashion and company accompanying with that with being super fucking pissed off um and having this aggressive fucking music while looking like you know their fashion fucking gothic fashion models for lack of a better uh term so it's uh it's crazy to think that you know all these years later they're still they've gotten back together they're they're doing it better than ever um, and the album just is so fucking great. It's so fucking good. And there's the, there's the obvious straight edge, uh, songs on it, like crucified and oath, um, which is, it's so fucking amazing to, to get those because this band has always been straight edge. They never shoved it down your throat, but you know, Keith obviously was a guitar player, was the original singer for throwdown, went on to play guitar and throwdown. After he, he more or less blew his voice out, if I remember correctly. But to uh, to come out in 2017, it's so it was so integral to me, and the, I love that their first track that they released was "Oath," which was a straight edge song, and it was so liberating because for a while I felt like this band because they weren't outwardly straight edge, people forgot that they were straight edge and not that that bothered me or anything, but I love that. I love that my favorite band also speaks to me on that level where they're straight edge, because if 18 missions wasn't straight edge, they'd probably still be my favorite band, but that just adds to, it's always added to the, the allure to this band that, you know, this band and Throwdown were the reasons I became straight edge. And being, you know, living, growing up in Canastota, 25, 35 minutes away from Syracuse. Obviously, driving to Syracuse for shows or getting dropped off in Syracuse for shows or sneaking to Syracuse for shows, which I did. Um, uh, you'd think, you know, you know, Earth Crisis would be, uh, you know, the, you know, the main proponent or component for me becoming and loving straight edge. Um, in loving strategy music rather, uh, but it wasn't because Earth Crisis was more or less was broken up by the time I started actively attending shows. So, 
and I knew about them, and I knew they were straight edge, and I loved that, and I love that they're from Syracuse and straight edge. But the first bands that really turned me on to straight edge, uh, well, the idea of it was already appealing anyway, because I hated cigarette smoke. I've talked about this before, um, and I had no desire to drink beer. I'd have beer when I was five, and like, and I don't remember it. Obviously, I had drank like you know, you know fucking like sip of the Budweiser or whatever at a fucking cookout, um, and then had like a shot of fucking like alcohol with a friend and it fucking just made me violently ill. So I've had no, uh, there's been no allure to try alcohol or, or I've just never been enticed by it at all. I've had never felt pressured to do anything. I just never, I was, it's never done anything for me. Drugs and alcohol have never been really, you know, I've never felt like I'm missing out, not doing that shit. Um, and it spoke to me seeing, People I didn't like do that, like, you know, smoking weed and drinking. So it, it, it spoke to me in that way to be like, well, fuck these motherfuckers. I'm straight edge. Um, so that is, uh, you know, it adds to the adds to the effect, I suppose. Uh, but 18 Visions and Throwdown, you know, those bands are the bands that turned me on to straight edge. Those were the first bands where I was like, fuck, raise your fist. When you hear fucking raise your fist by Throwdown, raise your fist in the air, drug free. Uh, or you hear fucking, like, slip, like, whether that is about straight edge or not, like, watching my friends slip away, watching them fade, I watched so many friends, like, stop hanging out with me, because I wasn't fun enough for them, because I didn't drink and smoke pot, so, when you're 14, 15, 16, if you're not drinking or smoking pot, uh, if someone's not doing that, you're usually seen as, like, yeah, he's kind of boring, or whatever, um, but luckily I still had friends that considered themselves straight edge, obviously don't anymore. And that's fine. Everyone has their own choice and straight edge is your own choice. Um, but they were all still into the music I was. And even when they dropped the straight edge label, we still hung out we still went to shows and I still, I love that. And the music connected us. Um, but I was always deeper, deep, even more deeply connected to bands like Throwdown and 18 Visions because, I was still straight edge and I still remain straight edge. And these guys are all in their late thirties, almost 40, almost in their forties. Um, and they're still straight edge. And, you know, I'm going to be 30 here in less than about a month and a half. So I'll be in the over 30 edge club. But like I said, I've never held anything against anybody. Like all my friends, I have no straight edge friends, any friend that's straight edge. I really aren't, am not close with at all. And that's just, how it is all my other friends none of them are straight edge so i have nothing against non-straight edge people obviously i'd have no friends uh, but it's just you know it's where i come from you know the straight edge uh scene that the movement whatever you want to call it um but anyway i've gotten off on a tangent the fucking songs on this um uh you know crucified obviously a straight edge song still crucified fucking i've never been consumed never conformed like you amazing fucking lyrics and i love hearing those keith barney keith barney's an underrated riff master i told him this at fucking baltimore uh and he humbly shakes it off and uh and i don't and i don't ever want to punish any of the bands that i'm fans of or anything like that i just you know i want to come up to him and be like listen thank you for all the music and thank you for you know love the new record, things like that. I never want to punish him, but I had to tell him. I had, dude, I go, dude, underrated riff master. Uh, just busting his balls, more or less. Uh, and he, he shyly turned it down, but the dude fucking writes riffs. The motherfucker writes riffs. Throw down some of those riffs. The motherfucker wrote those. 18 Visions since fucking Until the Ink Runs Out. He writes fucking sick-ass fucking riffs. And the riffs and the fight. 
the play the fight song. The fucking fight songs on this fucking new record fucking are just amazing. And they're so pissed. And for these guys to be as old as they are and to still have this pissedness is fucking just amazing. And uh, the disease, the decline, the waste of time, uh, it's fucking... Listen to this shit. Pissed as fuck, and I love it. I love it so fucking much. But yeah, uh, just fucking endless fucking riffs on here. Sick fucking pissed off breakdowns. They've released, uh, I think, three official music videos. And of course, they live fucking quote in it. Naturally, of course. Fucking again. Second, John Carpenter fucking, obviously, Daniel Davies fucking plays on the CKY record. CKY is on the list. John Carpenter's on the list. There's a John Carpenter uh, sound clip from one of his movies in the number one record. So Johnny Carp's just entrenched in this fucking top top ten list of the records of 2017. What an influence Johnny Carp has. But, yeah, uh, they've released three videos for this record, too. Uh, the first being Oath, which is fucking just amazing. And uh, what a fucking... What a great reintroduction for this band. And then they released Live Again, which is an amazing video. And it's just like engulfs everything that that band's about. And if any video, I think it might be their best video is Live Again. But they released a video for this song, Underneath My Gun, which has Andy Williams in it. Playing, you know, the Rowdy Piper, Rowdy, the Rowdy Rowdy Piper uh, character going around killing the band and the fans at the show who or the the band who was you know the alien fucking life forms from they live and they have the fucking masks on uh and what a fun fucking awesome music video it's amazing and you know and that's another thing and i didn't get to touch on this in the last episode too 18 visions started the fucking they were the fucking they maybe not have been the first but they were one of the very the ones that made it popular and made it fashionable was putting fucking movie quotes in before songs they were fucking, you know, you think about Yesterday's Time Killed, 1998. They're dropping fucking Bram Stoker Dracula fucking quotes and songs. And then then you got fucking um, Until the Ink Runs Out. You have, you know, The Shining. Um, and you have fucking all these movie clips. Back to the Future. You have all these movie clips before songs. They were doing that before it was fucking cool to do it. Again, even more fucking influence that they've had on this fucking music scene this music genre all the fucking heaviness all these bands that are putting fucking quotes in front of songs you know what band made me want to do that in front of my songs when i fucking had was in my last two fucking bands guess what it was fucking 18 visions because they always had the fucking best ones um but yeah just it just shows their fucking how deep their fucking influence really is and they're not credited enough and uh i'll fucking i'll fist fight somebody if they try to disclaim fucking any of this shit from the for this band but yeah, uh, just fucking amazing, amazing tracks on this. Uh, you know, laid to waste in the shit of man. Fucking like, just like has that like those crooning vocals that James has. That he's went, and it's amazing that he's went from having those brutal death metal vocals to having that like signature rasp on like uh, 
on vanity and stuff, and then transitioning into, you know, obsession where it's a little more melodic, it's a little more singing, and then obviously the full length being full-blown singing and only having limited, very limited amount of screaming. For, and then for him to do the Burn Halo records, which I love all the Burn Halo records, too. I think they're some of the best rock records that have come out in the last fucking ten years. And then for him to come back to the aggressive singing and do it so fucking well. Come back to those aggressive vocals and do it better than he ever has. It's fucking amazing. While still having some of those melodic rock fucking vocals that he's known for, that, he, that has been on the records since Vanity... That sound fucking amazing. He's one of the most underrated fucking vocalists in all of heavy music. His range is so fucking amazing, and I've said it forever. He's been like a fucking, like, evil, like, fashionable fucking uh, Scott Weiland. Like, he did what Scott Weiland did in a metal, hardcore fucking realm, and it was fucking amazing. And he's a true fucking frontman, James Hart. He's one of the best fucking vocalists in all of, like, heavy music. He has been for years, and he's been underrated. Um, and I know I'm just blowing smoke and sucking the fucking dick of this band, but I'm sorry. They're just too fucking good. Um, some of my favorite tracks, I mean, every track is fucking amazing. You know, this is 35 minutes and chains, 10 tracks. I fucking love it. I love that they didn't fucking, you know, they didn't try to overstay the, overstay the return. Fucking 10 tracks, banging the shit out. Fake leather jacket about fucking a shitty, uh, the fucking, the guy at fucking Epic Records that just fucked them and... And, and was just lying to them and shit. Fake Leather Jacket, amazing fucking track. Uh, Picture Perfect. Picture Perfect with your rock cocaine. Fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. Fucking riffs on riffs on riffs on riffs. And, like I said, they don't fucking... They have... They could have that fucking that that cr those crooning fucking pissed off vocals um and do it so well with the super aggressive fucking vocals um but you know you want to know something my favorite fucking track on the record is actually the closing track uh for this i sacrifice i think it incorporates everything the band is it's a super heavy emotional track and i think it's it's just talking about the sacrifices that they've made for for family for friends uh, for loved ones, uh, you know, for like Keith, for his kids, things like that. And I think there's just an amazing emotional track and it's so fucking, it's so powerful and so fucking amazing. And I love it so fucking much. And, you know, that's my top 10. I fucking love this album. Uh, 18 visions, 18. It's fucking, it's amazing. Uh, it really, truly is just fucking... It's amazing. It's so good. But anyway, that's my top 10 records. That's my top 10 movies. Uh, again, help us grow this podcast. This is the last podcast of 2017. We're going to be back next weekend for the first episode of 2018. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be on yet. It's going to be a surprise. Um, I'm going to try to not do as many episodes alone because I know it's boring listening to just me do it. Uh, but sometimes you can't help it. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to tack people down and get them, uh, to, you know, commit to this, uh, during the weekends or the week or whenever I, I'm able to do it. So it's unfortunate. Uh, but Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. You can check us out on Instagram, 
at Heartguide Media, on Twitter, at Heartguide Media. Um, give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe to us. Um, and yeah, let's fucking, let's make 2018 a fucking awesome year with more episodes, more content. I can't wait to do like a bunch of different shit um and bring you guys a bunch of fucking awesomeness thank you if you've downloaded this uh, this or any episode thank you if you've supported in any way at all i thank you um and let's uh let's keep uh let's keep supporting uh this podcast because i'd love to keep continuing to do it and uh i will as long as uh people want to hear it so that's all i really gotta say Sorry, I fucked that mic up. Uh huh. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, my favorite track off my favorite album of the year, and this is the perfect way to end this podcast. Um, this is 18 Visions with uh, For This I Sacrifice. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Jesse HS, and this is the Heart Guy Media Podcast. <laughs>